Christmas, everybody. How are we today? It's good to see all of you today. Thanks for hanging out with us this morning. Uh, we're glad that you're here, and I hope that what just happened in that video didn't happen at your house today, okay? And I don't know about you, but watching that guy eat all that food is not, ugh, ugh. Anyway, my guess is you woke up this morning, and you walked into the living room or wherever your Christmas tree may have been, and you found a few of these, right? Maybe not as beautifully wrapped as this one is here, since I did most of it, and my wife helped with the bow, but, um, but you probably had a few of these, and you probably opened them up, and inside there were all kinds of different presents. Maybe you got a brand new iPod, maybe a brand new phone, maybe an iPad, maybe you got some new clothes, now maybe you got, I don't know, maybe you got some new boots. Maybe inside this box were some new Legos, maybe an American Girl doll, or maybe you're the strangest person I've ever met and you actually got a set of keys and it was snowing outside and you walked outside and there's a brand new Lexus with a big bow on top, right? <laughs> Never seen that happen and if it's happened to you, I'd love to talk to you afterwards, especially the snow part. Hey, anyway, you woke up this morning, you opened up a bunch of these presents and, and you were excited, right? You were glad to get the presents that you received from the people that you love. It's one of those amazing things that we get to do every single Christmas. I, I can remember... As a kid growing up, uh, my brothers and I, I had two younger brothers, we would wake up on Christmas morning and we would run to the living room. And what we would do first is we would take an inventory of all the presents because we had to make sure that each one of us had the same amount of presents. And it was funny how somebody knew to give us the same amount of presents every single year. And so we'd get the presents and we'd look at them, we'd take an inventory, then we'd start to go over and see what was in the presents. We'd pick them up. This one seems pretty heavy. I wonder what this could be. And we'd shake it a little bit and we'd turn it over. We'd, we'd always look to see if there was that one little rip or maybe you could read a letter or two. Have you ever done that before? Because we wanted to know what was in those gifts. And so we'd try to guess what was in those gifts. And of course, there was usually one or two gifts or two gifts. We always knew what they were. We, we grabbed them and they were soft and we knew this was the pair of socks or the new socks we were getting. And this was the new underwear we were getting because every year we got socks and underwear. Even into our 20s, my mom and dad were like, hey, you guys need socks and underwear. And so they'd give us socks and underwear. We knew what those presents were. But we didn't know what the other gifts were. Three boys in a home. We were pretty excited. We were ready to eat from the buffet of presents underneath the tree. Mom and Dad would, like many of us this morning, groggily walk into the living room and say, Hey, boys, Merry Christmas. We'd say, Hey, Mom and Dad, Merry Christmas. Can we open the presents? And they would look at us and they would say, Not right now. Come over here and let's read the Christmas story. Three young, rambunctious boys. Presents underneath the tree. Mom and Dad said, no, we're going to take a break first. We're going to read the Christmas story. Let's just say we pushed back every single year. Hey, Mom and Dad, how about this? How about we don't read it this year, but next year you can read it two times in a row. How about that? We'll, we'll do that for you. Mom and Dad would say, no, we're going to read the Christmas story. Come on, Mom and Dad, please, let's just let us open a present. We can do it afterwards. No, we're going to read the Christmas story before we open presents. And then, of course, there'd be the thread, if you want to open presents, you might want to come over here and read the Christmas story. And so three boys would huff and puff, and we'd finally walk slowly, talking underneath our, our breath. And we'd go over to where my mom and dad were sitting, and one of us would sit, and we'd read the Christmas story before we opened our presents. I promised myself as a kid, I would never torture my kids with having to do that. 
And guess what we do every single Christmas before we open presents? Although we didn't do it today, and there's a good reason for that, because I want to read it today for all of us here. If you have your Bible, you can turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, if not, we're going to have it up here on the screens to uh, my sides. But, but listen to these words, and paint this picture in your mind as you're listening. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. When I read that story, and every time you hear that story, my guess is you paint this picture in your mind. You, you paint this, this picture that's very vivid because I think the story is very vivid in, in what we get here, the information. But you paint this particular picture up. And, and let me see if I, I get this picture right that, that maybe you paint in your mind that I know I have done for, for many years. You have this young couple, and they're in love. And they're smiling, and they're happy, and they've been on this long trip. And, and they show up in Bethlehem, and they go to all these different places, and they can't seem to find a place to stay. But they're okay with that. No tension, no angst. They're still in love. Finally, somebody says, hey, you know what? We don't have any room here, but, but we've got this stable out back. And you can go back there, and you can stay there. And so the picture of the stable we have, if your picture is like mine, it's like this perfectly engineered wooden structure, right? I mean, there are these beautiful wooden beams in there. It's airtight. No wind's getting in. It's a nice, warm place. Every little piece is, is where it's supposed to be. Nothing's out of, out of whack. I mean, it's this perfect structure there. And so they would go into this perfect structure, and, and they, would, they would go and they would sit down. And the animals were there. And guess what? These animals were pretty neat because they didn't make any noise. They didn't stink. The stable didn't stink. I mean, this is the picture we paint of this story, right? And in this stable, this young lady who's happily together with this young man, she has this child. And it's like, hey, Joseph, I think, oh, there's the baby. Wow, this is pretty amazing. 
And they wrap that baby up. Some of you just had babies like, no. Um, they wrap that child up and they put him in this, again, this perfectly engineered little trough. It's perfect for a baby some reason and somehow. And, and all the straw that's in this trough is all the same length. Nothing's out of place, right? This is the picture that we painted. And they put this baby in there. And guess what? And they put this baby, to, the, the baby smiles. The baby's happy. Not crying, not doing any of that kind of stuff. And they lay this baby there, and all these animals, the cows and the sheep and the camels and the donkeys, the, the stable rats, everything, they, all these animals just walk up to this little baby, and they just, they just stare at it with reverence. They don't say anything. They don't make a noise. They don't stink. I mean, this is the, the picture we paint, right? This baby's there, and maybe in your story, the baby kind of looks up at Mary and Joseph and gives them a little wink, like... I know what's going on here, guys. And maybe even in your story, the baby talks like, hey, Mary Joseph, I know we got to get through this part right now, but there's some cool things that are going to happen, okay? So just, just hang tight. i got to go through these early years, but everything's going to be great in about 10, you know, 10 11, 12 years. You're going you're to find out who I really am. And maybe in your story, that's the picture that you're painting, right? Because it's, it's baby Jesus. And then there's Mary and Joseph. They're holding hands. They're like, I love you. Oh, I love you too. This is, this is how I planned our life to begin together. This is perfect. Isn't that the story a lot of times that we paint? And a lot of times we see that in images and paintings and things that have done. And, but we read that story, and that's kind, of, that's kind of what we extrapolate from it. This is like, hey, this is, this is the perfect scenario. It was far from that. The reality is that Mary and Joseph had to travel about um, 90 to 100 miles <coughs> excuse me, from Nazareth to get to Bethlehem which would have taken them about eight to ten days. Mary's nine months pregnant. Do you think that was a fun trip for Joseph? No. And it definitely wasn't a fun trip for Mary either. She was either walking most of this distance, maybe riding a donkey, more than likely being pulled in a wagon. I'm sure that was just a little bit bumpy back in those days. But when they finally get there, Bethlehem isn't some nice little quaint little town, right? It's packed with people. I mean, the population has, has quadrupled. I mean, there's so many people there because so many people are there for the census. Why? To pay more taxes and for military service. That's all the reasons you always want to travel, to go somewhere so they can tax you more and so they can potentially put you into military service. And so they've got to go to this place. There's so many people there. They can't find a place to stay. She's nine months pregnant. They're not even married yet. There's a little tension here in this story, if you think about it. There's a little chaos. Finally, they get to this place, and it's probably not this perfectly engineered structure. It's more than likely a cave. They're put in this cave where the animals live, and animals are loud, and animals stink, right? All those type of things are happening there within this cave. And in this cave, Mary gives birth to this child, to Jesus. Now, I don't think it was a, hey, Joseph, I think I'm getting ready to have a boob. There he was. It was, a, it was ours pain and screaming and yelling the good thing was she couldn't tell joseph that he put her into this predicament so joseph was kind of <laughs> safe at that moment finally she gives birth and this baby's not smiling it's a baby jesus is like us he was crying he was screaming he was hungry he needed to sleep but he wouldn't sleep and he's put into this trough that was probably built into the side of the cave where the animals ate the food and the hay, and there's probably slobber and all kinds of other stuff in there. But they laid him there. And Joseph, 
even though he had heard from an angel in a dream of who his child was going to be, I think there were still doubts in his mind. Like, who, whose baby is this really? Maybe he looks at the baby and says, oh, that kind of looks like so-and-so. Could that have been the person who did this? And Mary, again, we always picture this, this beautiful, wonderful, well-put-together young woman sitting there smiling at this child. And, and I think she's got some questions, too. There's some doubt there. I know I've talked to an angel. I know I've talked to my relatives. But, but really? This isn't how I planned my life. I had bigger plans for me and Joseph. And this wasn't how I planned it to begin. See, I think if you really think about the story and you read it and you, you look at it, what you find is there's a lot of chaos in this. There's a lot of tension in the story. But there's something beautiful about the story. That, and, there, and there's a passage here that always, always just, it just hits me so hard. And this is what it is. Verse 19 says, But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. I got a question about that. How does Luke know that? Luke's the writer of Luke. How does he know this about Mary? That's something, that's a feeling. How does he know this feeling that that Mary has? Well, history in those days was very different than history today. Uh, Today, history happens, and we tweet it. We Facebook Live it. We Instagram it. We Snapchat it. uh, It gets up on a blog. You're watching TV. There's breaking news. I mean, history is instantaneous for us in these days. But it wasn't the case back then. In fact, history was written usually over years, more than likely decades. And so if something were to happen, uh, what they would do, a historian would begin to gather all this information, maybe documents that had been put together, maybe some writings that had been put together about something that had happened. They would try to talk to eyewitnesses if possible, and they would try to talk to relatives or friends of eyewitnesses and pull all of this, this, this information together and then they would, they would create the history. They would rewrite the history, not rewrite it, they would write history. And so a lot of the history that you and I read about in our history books from back in the biblical days, that's how it came to be. Luke's doing the same thing. Luke takes some documents that he knows about. Uh, at that point in time, he would have known a little bit about the book of Mark. And so he could have used that. Um, He would have talked to relatives and friends of eyewitnesses of the time that Jesus was alive. He himself was an eyewitness. But one of the things that he would have done, more than likely, he would have gone to Mary. See, Luke writes the book of Luke about 35 to 40 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus. And so he's, he's more than likely gathering all of this information over this time. And he's putting it together. One of the things that he does is he has that conversation with Mary. He says, hey, Mary. Tell me what it was like when Jesus was born. I imagine at this point in time, Mary sitting across from Luke and telling him with a smile on her face, maybe a few tears of joy and happiness rolling down her cheeks. Of course, a little sorrow too. But I can just imagine she's retelling the story to Luke. The same story that we read here in Luke chapter 2. And as Luke hears her tell that, she's talking about how much she just kept all these things inside of her. That she just soaked them in. That she, she treasured them. I think that's where Luke comes up with what he says in verse 19. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. I think Mary looked back over her past 
over her time and over this experience when Jesus was born. And, and she finally realized something. She finally realized that that was the perfect gift. That in that moment of chaos and tension where she was struggling, where there was doubt, where there were questions, why is this happening, what is going on here, she finally realizes, you know what? I was given the perfect gift. Maybe I didn't quite realize it then, but here I am years later, and I totally understand it. The funny part is, you and I were given that same perfect gift. That wasn't just a gift for Mary or Joseph or some shepherds or some wise men. This was the perfect gift that was given to you and I. Here's how we know that's true. In John 3.16, a, a, a verse that many of us know so well. For God to love the world that he what? Help me out. Gave. Gave. What does that mean? It means we were given a gift. We were given a gift. That God gave his one and only son. Not just the perfect gift to Mary and Joseph perfect gift to you and to me you read the rest of that so so that anyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life i'd say that's a pretty important gift a very important gift and it's one that you and i get to share on it and especially on a day like today we get to celebrate it here on christmas day the perfect gift that was given to us i know this morning you ripped through some presents and there's some great gifts that you were given but let's just be honest, those pants are going to get holes in them, the shoes are going to be too small, that electronic game's not going to work anymore, you're going to get older and not want to deal with it and play it anymore, that computer's going to die, you're going to lose those Legos, they're going to be on the floor and people are going to step on them and throw them away. I mean, all these things are going to go away. They may feel perfect today, but in a week, in a month, in a year, a decade, you're going to forget about it. But this gift, the gift of Jesus, it's a perfect gift. And if we can hold on to that, if we, can, if we can soak that in and allow that to be a part of our lives, man, it can impact and transform us and the world around us. As that scripture says, not just for this moment, but for all eternity. My hope and prayer today as you celebrate Christmas, and you may have more celebrations happening this afternoon, and this week maybe you're traveling to see more family and friends, and as you do that, enjoy the time. Enjoy Christmas and the holidays, but always be reminded of that perfect gift that we were given on that night a few thousand years ago. Because that gift is one that continues to give, again, not just for now, but for all eternity. This morning, we're going to take communion together. And I can't, I can't imagine anything more important on a day like today. And I know that when it comes to communion, we... We celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus, but that doesn't happen unless we have the birth. Unless we have the birth of Jesus to that young couple in that chaotic, tense moments. We celebrate this because of that. We get this perfect gift because of that night and what happened there. And so this morning, we're going to take communion together. We're going to do a little bit differently than we normally do on a Sunday morning. Adam's going to play, and he's going to sing a song. And as he does that, I'm going to ask you to come up front here we've got a couple of stations here we've got two in the back but we're not going to take it together what I want you to do with the people that you're with if you're with family this morning if you have friends that you're with 
If you're small groups here, if you see somebody by themselves, grab them. Um, we want to take communion in, in, in little groups. And so I'm going to ask you to come up as we get started here in a second and grab some bread and grab some juice. And I want you to go back to your seats. I just want you to pray together where you are. Again, Adam's going to sing a song. I want you to listen to those words. I want you to pray. Pray about the perfect gift that you and I were given. Pray about what that means to you, not just for now, but for your whole life and for eternity. So we're going to get started here in a second. As we do that, I'm going to ask you to come or to go to the back, get in your groups, pray together, listen to the song, and remember the perfect gift.